0: Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and with me as always is Steve Otterstrom. Steve,
1: it's another podcast week for us. How are you doing today? Doing good. It's a little warm, for sure, mm-hmm. um, out here in the West. I don't know how it is where, where you're at in Mississippi, but um, we're, we're dealing with some some record high heat and very little water, so... Um, everyone's on heightened alert for uh you know fire danger and things i know there's been some some wildfires but uh none none that have been close to me or or anything that i think has been too concerning yet but yeah we're just trying to stay cool right now how about you are you is that Mississippi sun coming down on you? We're
0: we're doing pretty good. It's still, I would say it's unseasonably cool. I mean, we are bumping oh, close. Wow. We're bumping close to 80 plus, I'm sure. Uh, but for us, that's unseasonably cool. <laughs> and uh, water has not been an issue for us at all. I know California, I read some time back, was having yeah. issues with their water while we were just having a deluge of rain. So I felt like if we could truck it to them, we, we would be doing fine. Uh, but, no, doing good, and uh, pl- projects at work have kept me busy, and uh, so life is good at this end of the world.
1: Good. So. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that. And I also hear that you have... Uh, found us a really interesting uh guest for today's podcast as well
0: yes I have so I first of all I kind of talk a little bit about our our wonderful guest we have here so it's actually his name is Nick Dugan and uh found out about him through one of our podcast friends Britt Andrietta, who's been on a couple of programs so by all means search for her in our program listing and listen to her uh but Nick is uh Got an interest, I think, that's going to be really good for us to talk about today. We'll get into that in just a moment. But he's passionate about making work more meaningful. And so he's an experienced leadership coach and leading and developing uh, leader and business folks. And he's launched a company called Deeper Work back in 2017. And he's led team members through different organizations and finding more meaning in their work. And Nick actually holds a degree in communications from the UC Santa Barbara. has a master's degree in organizational psychology. I love love the title organizational psychology. And uh, he did his theses. Here's the hint of our podcast: here did his theses on engaging the soul within organizations, and the tagline is practical implications of workplace spirituality research. And so, Nick, welcome to the show and uh, anxious to talk to you about spirituality in the workplace today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to our conversation as well.
0: Yeah. And so I did listen to uh, Nick on a podcast or two. And of course, he's got his own show and we'll be sure we we'll probably want to capture that in our show notes for you, make it easy for you to find him and and Nick the the episode that I listened to I think was kind of early in your journey about spirituality in the mm-hmm. workplace and as I recall it you had c- completed your schooling and I'm not sure you were terribly satisfied with where you were in life I just remember <laughs> as I say you were driving off into the sunset you you went yes. for a long drive across the country uh, and maybe found yourself along the way so tell tell us a little bit about that and then we'll dive deeper into what the heck that has to do with the workplace.
2: Yeah. I love how you described that. There was a little bit between the, the leaving college and setting off into the sunset, but that's a, that's a pretty accurate description. I gave you the just
0: version there. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I, uh, I graduated from UC Santa Barbara, which uh, was, was great. I loved being involved in college. That's actually where I met Brit Andriata. She, uh, she and I worked together at the orientation program there. She was my boss. So she's been a long time friend. And, You know, I was always one of those people who never really wanted to, you know, never really knew what they wanted to do when they grew up. I remember Mm. as a kid, I wrote a haiku about wanting to be a detective for some reason, for some class. (laughs) And later on, I wanted to be a graphic designer. And it was, you know, I never had a real plan. Um, I kind of fell into things. You know, I applied to a handful of colleges and went to the one that I got into at Santa Barbara, which was fantastic. Uh, And then when I graduated, I still had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm Uh, I had, as I mentioned, I worked with Brit at the orientation program. And one of the things we did there was planning events. And I found out through that, that event planning was a career and thought, well, gosh, that's the way I could, uh, you know, put my, put my learnings into use. And so I moved up to the San Francisco Bay area and got a job as an event planner, which was great. But after a couple of years, it was like, well, is this really what I want to do with my life? Yeah. And it was that question of, you know, What's next? They don't. They don't teach you that in
0: college. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. You have one goal and one goal alone. And once you get towards that goal, what do you do, right? Exactly. Live happily so, you know, ever after. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um,
2: so you know, I mean, I think as with most stories like this, it happened in you know, it was it didn't happen all at once. I remember. I was reading i mean i still read a lot but at the time i was reading a lot of these stories about how people had these realizations or came to these conclusions about their direction in life and i was like well it it seems when you put it in a story or in a book that it all happens in a moment right so i was always looking for that moment of enlightenment and in retrospect i realized there's lots of those little moments of enlightenment that that build up over time so Mm -hmm. you know some of the moments for me uh when i was working at first job i found a book in a bookstore uh, built to last by Jim Collins and Jerry Porras. Mm -hmm. And it talks a lot about the importance of businesses having a core purpose and core values in a really strong vision. And that was actually the first business book I'd ever read it. I'd never been particularly interested in, in business stuff and it, but it really struck a chord around, this is something that I've been looking for around how do you talk about meaningful work? How do you have an impact? Um, And so, you know, I, I, that was sort of just percolating in the back of my head. And uh, after a while, you know, as I continue to read and think about it, it shifted into how do you think about your personal purpose and, and values? And so I read a few books on that. And long story short, I ended up transitioning from my event planning job into discovering the world of life coaching, okay. uh, yep. which I had no idea about, or even that you could get into it. But there is a whole industry and training programs dedicated to it. Uh, so I was able to get connected with, uh, with the program and, and got trained and and at that point it felt like I had found my spot, mm-hmm. right? I'd found what resonated with me. I loved doing individual coaching. I loved helping people figure out what they wanted to do rather than, you know, telling them what the company wanted to do. And at the same time, there was a lot, you know, in going through coach training, you certainly learn how to have coaching conversations, but you also work on your own personal foundation. Sure. And a lot of that for me was you know, there were some things around wellness and, you know, having positive habits in my personal life. But for me, it was also about starting to explore spirituality. It wasn't something that I had been on my mind uh, in the past. Um, so anyway, I, there's a lot of detail. I'm sure we could we could talk more about that. But the uh, what the point that brought me to what you mentioned in terms of writing off into the sunset, Leonard, yes, was I had started this coaching business. It felt really great and it wasn't making money. And it was just this kind of crisis of what's going on? Like I feel so strongly that this is the work that I'm meant to be doing and it's not actually coming to fruition as a business. And so one of the things I was practicing personally at the time was tapping into my sense of intuition uh, more deeply. And and I just kept getting this intuitive message of like, I just want to travel. I just want to go somewhere. I just want to be spontaneous. I had kind of always done the next thing, right? I went from high school to college to work. And I, I was not very good about just doing you know what was intuitively occurring to me mm. and so over the course of several months that that kind of kept coming up in my head and and finally one day i was talking to my own coach and i told her i was like you know what I, I keep thinking of ways to make this work and how i could finance you know being able to go on this trip and what i really want is i just want someone to tell me i can go ahead and do it now and she's like well i believe you could do it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I decided. I mean, there. That's that was a moment of kind of su- it, it, You know, it, of course, it didn't come out of nowhere, but yeah. it was a very sudden shift. And it was. I remember it was the middle of May, and a month later, I had broken my apartment lease, sold almost all of my stuff, put the rest in storage, packed up my car, and set out. You know, now I call it a road trip, but at the time, it was really open ended. I just wanted to be able to. My, my goal was to be able to wake up every day and not have a plan and be able to do like follow my intuition that day, whether it meant move to the next town or pull over here or go over there. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I how I uh, got into that uh, that that road
1: trip initially. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me be clear. I was 25. I would not do that again. (laughs) And I'm trying to put a couple
0: pieces together. The life coaching job was not terribly successful, and you could afford to do this trip. So this is really interesting here.
2: (laughs) Well, that was part of the learning was I, you know, the struggle was I couldn't afford it on paper. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was gonna do it. So what what it, the, the real leap of faith was, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Sure. Um, I mean, ultimately I knew like if everything failed, I could come back and I could get another job and, um, it wasn't, the risks weren't that high, but I definitely didn't have a plan or a huge budget. My, my thought was, oh, I'll you know, travel around and do workshops as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, and looking back now, I was like, I don't know what I thought I was going to, I hadn't even been able to get the coaching business to work. I don't know how I thought I was going to wander into a new town and (laughs) suddenly off for a workshop, <laughs> with no network or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was, you know, in retrospect, that was the belief I needed to kind of get me out of my seat. And, and, you know, I wouldn't trade that trip for anything. It was very powerful. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, part of that, and it was, you know, I can point to moments where I experienced this, but it really was the whole trip of just being able to kind of step outside of my day-to-day life and just be really present. And it was also, I'd been living in the city for several years and getting out into nature. There was a moment where I remember sitting, uh, I had just pulled over randomly uh, in near in in the middle of uh, Montana and there was a river and just like a couple, you know, dirt lot parking spots. And I walked out to a rock that was in the middle of the river and just sat there and just was so, moved by like being in the the stillness and the quiet of just this random place it wasn't a tourist attraction it wasn't you know the big sign of here's the greatest you know river view ever just was a random little spot with the river and a you know blue sky and, and a sunny day and it just struck me that it's like this is it was an experience of what I would call spirituality, right? It's hard to put things like that into words, Yeah, that, well, but it was that experience of deeper connection.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to ask is that it, so that trip then really is somewhat what, what woken you, uh, I, I don't know that's proper English, but anyhow, <laughs> the, <laughs> awaken it, it word. <laughs> but, yeah, well, everybody's woke now. I guess I'm trying to fit in, <laughs> right, right? right? Anyways, but that 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 awakened your uh, somewhat in that spirituality that aspect, then, right? Is is? It, am I hearing you right on that? Yeah, so I I would
2: say it's it's one of the major pivot points. Yeah. Again, I always wanted to be careful because I think you know I I struggled a lot when I thought that I had to find this one all-encompassing realization. For me, it wasn't that right. That was a major one, but there are there are many little ones along the way that, sure. that helped along that. And it wasn't always easy, right? There were days where I felt like that, and there were days where I felt guilty and was beating myself up for what the hell do I think I'm doing? You know, <laughs> going out here with no plan and no money, and yeah, um, so. You know, I, I always try and kind of add those details because it's, uh, it, it's not happily ever after. It's a, it was a journey, yeah. um, and it was very worth it. But it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily easy. Well, yeah. well,
0: before we plow too far on, what I'd like to do, Nick, is if you would just kind of define. Uh, I know we're we're headed towards spirituality in the workplace, yeah. so just just kind of help us help us define what is, what is that framework or what does that look like. I know from my background and my upbringing, uh, I think of religion and and that is mm-hmm. spirituality. So I want to make sure we get everybody on the same page here and help us kind of understand what you're we talking about when you reference spirituality and in particular in the workplace. Yeah, that's
2: a great question. So when I was, you mentioned that I did my uh, master's thesis on workplace spirituality, and of course that's, you know, in, in doing a research paper that you want to define your terms. And so I went and tried to find, you know, the, the clear definition of spirituality and as with many of these larger concepts, there's not a lot of agreement on, on what it is. It's something that we kind of all know intuitively, but, but can't necessarily pinpoint an exact meaning. So I I would say the way that I use the term spiritual, first of all, I would say words like that really always point to a concept that is beyond words. And I think that's part of the challenge in, you know, defining our terms uh, is that really all of it points to something that is that you really only understand personally. So I would say, you know, for me, spirituality is that which is deepest and most meaningful to you, right? And that can be associated with religion. Many people find a sense of spirituality in religion. I would say that religion is probably the structure and traditions and specific beliefs uh, that a person subscribes to or or belongs to a community around that is, you know, that that encompasses or generates or supports a personal feeling of spirituality. Mm -hmm. But it's also you know, possible to have a sense of spirituality without necessarily following a traditional religious path. And it's possible to have that experience without calling it spirituality at all, right? It may be a sense of meaningfulness or uh, there's a survey that the Pew Research Firm does uh, every couple of years about uh, religion and spirituality in the United States. And one of the questions they ask is, they ask a lot of questions about how often do you pray? How often do you go to church? uh, You know, what do you consider the tradition that you follow? One of the questions that they ask is, how regularly do you feel a sense of awe and wonder about the universe and i love that question because i think it gets to the heart of that in a way that's very inclusive right and it's interesting because the rates of people saying you know that they that they feel that sense is fairly high across everyone from committed believers of traditional religions to people who identify as spiritual but not religious to people who identify as agnostic or atheist so to me, when I talk about spirituality, it's as broadly inclusive as possible. It's what is that sense of um, where you find meaning and depth in your own way, whether, you know, that may very well be through a religious tradition or religious practice, or it may not be. Okay.
1: That's very interesting. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because Leonard and I, we have a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the reasons why I think we find our conversations to be so enriching is Leonard is, is highly religious and highly Mm -hmm. spiritual. And I am, as much on the opposite end <laughs> as, as leonard is on that end you know that uh i i i avoid uh church whenever i can and uh, uh really i'm not religious uh mm-hmm. but it's interesting I, I like the um this concept of thinking about how often do you feel that sense of awe yeah. towards you know the universe towards existence towards you know which doesn't require having any answers in fact i feel like it's almost easier if you don't have answers Mm
2: -hmm. you know it's interesting joseph campbell is i'm a big fan of joseph campbell's work he's a uh you know comparative mythologist he wrote a book called the hero with a thousand faces that was very interesting for me to realize after i finished my my trip it's all about the uh the the mythology and the archetype of going on a journey and and making Mm -hmm. a discovery Mm -hmm. and one of the things that he taught was that mythology well, one of the things, well, he has a great quote that says, mythology is just other people's religion. And so there's, you know, when you talk about mythology, you're often talking about religion and spirituality. But mm-hmm. he says that there are four functions uh, of mythology. And one is psychological, one is sociological, one is, um, uh, now I'm going to forget the, the third one. Um, but anyway, the, the fourth one is about how we as humans relate to the mystery of life. Right. Because we don't have it all figured out. And spirituality or religion and, or mythology or whatever it is, is in part about how we reconcile ourselves with the fact that there, there are mysteries in life. There are big mysteries in life and death and purpose and, and all those things. So I think that that mystery, you know, mystery and, and mystical have the, uh, the same root word. So I always think about if someone's like mystical spirituality is about thinking about that mystery of life.
1: I find that you know so interesting looking at it from this perspective. of How we relate to, it. and I feel like you're already going really, really deep you know, <laughs> in, in like these. I mean, I do things. call my business deeper work. And, and and then and then all of a sudden I have this imagery like okay, but now you're talking about bringing it into my workplace, yeah. which yeah. is really oftentimes mundane. Yep. And boring, and it's what I do so that I can pay that mundane mortgage. All the things that you escaped. on your little, your little, uh, you know, spiritual journey. Um, and so how, how is it that you can take something that is in many ways may feel very different from what you do for work? I don't have much control over my work. I do what I'm told. That's kind of what I do for a living. You know, how does spirituality come into that? Or is it something you have to kind of struggle with to get it in there? It's a, it's a big question and it's an evolving one. I think it's, there,
2: again, there's there's not easy answers to that. I think some of the things that I've learned and that I think about, um, I, you know, I think some of the, what what I'd start with, I think, is why has this become a topic of interest, right? And I think some of the dynamics that have driven that conversation, because it is out there, there's a, there actually is quite a lot of research around the concept of workplace spirituality, it's shown up on the cover of you know time magazine and and things like that and there's and there's also a range of ways of how it shows up right everywhere from what i'm talking about kind of more generic spiritual gener- not generic in a bad sense but like inclusive and kind of bring your spirituality whatever that means to you to you know workplaces that are explicitly religious or that have religious values into so if you if you think about workplace spirituality broadly it can encompass all of that there's also kind of spiritual leadership you know uh, jesus is ceo or god is my ceo um, so there's a lot of different ways if you look at it on the most broad level. Um, for me, it really comes from, you know, one of the quotes that I surfaced when I was doing my research was the idea that over the last 50 or 60 years, we've gone from, at least in the West, in the US, we used to, you know, in the 50s or 60s, if you think about that kind of archetypal, uh, maybe stereotype uh, situation, people, you know, had their work environment, they had their home environment, but they also, you know, the church attendance was a lot higher. A lot more people had a had a church community. There were, you know, benevolent societies and, and community organizations. A lot of times extended families lived closer together. And so you were able to get your your needs met uh, in lots of these different communities. And as we started to work more and and you know have, you know, both parents are working and we we don't have most of us don't have as many of those communities. And so if you're not addressing things like spirituality that are core to, you know, I would say core to humanity in, in some way in that broader definition, you kind of, if you if you can't do it at work, where are you going to do it? Wow. So I think that's been part of the trend of, um, you know, and it's, you could say something similar about wellness, right? I think that's probably more established, but yeah. Yeah. work didn't used to care about employee wellness, right? And that's been a trend of people realizing like, gosh, as we spend more and more time at work, as work becomes our community, um, it is important to care about employee wellness
0: that's that's an that's an interesting perspective nick i, I hadn't thought of that because i, I know I, to your point we are seeing that kind of surface more uh I, mm-hmm. i'm familiar with you and maybe some folks are familiar with ariana huffington and thrive and of mm-hmm. course that's mind body and spirit and so we are seeing that language in the workplace and in many areas. And, uh, it's kind of interesting because as Steve already pointed, I've, I've got a little bit more of a spiritual or religious background mm-hmm. or then. And for me, it's always been a little bit more segmented where, okay, yeah. that's, that's kind of what you do on Sunday. And certainly it's your guiding principles through the week, but not everybody is, um, especially in the context of religion uh, not everybody is necessarily happy to, for you to be sharing your thoughts exactly. about it <laughs> and so it it does seem like by bringing spirituality in the workplace it seems like maybe we get into some uh, what what might be perceived as muddy water because you know people are going to have some strong opinions strong thoughts um I, I definitely think it's nuanced. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I I think, you know, I think it's one of those, as with many of these conversations, it's a worthy conversation to have. One of the ways that I think about it is that there are different lenses that you can think of workplace spirituality in. One of those is through a wellness lens. So if you think about um uh, there's a great book called The Power of Full Engagement, and they talk about the different types of of energy that just as as human beings, we all have, right? We have Physical energy, we have mental energy, we have emotional energy, and we have spiritual energy. So, it's it's an element of being a a person that is you know if you're going to talk about wellness, for example, um, is a holistic part of thinking about who you are, right? Mm -hmm. And so that may be that and that may be personal, but attending to those spiritual needs, whether it's you know something that you do on your own at home, or whether it's having conversations about deeper subjects, uh, or or even just getting clear on your purpose and values. Those are all ways that you can kind of attend to to spiritual wellness in different ways. So that's kind of the wellness lens. There's a diversity lens. And I think that's where religion itself comes into play. And so obviously diversity, equity, and inclusion is another big topic of, of, yes. of today and sure. the last several years and, and for many years uh, and probably for years to come. And so if you kind of look at workplace spirituality from a diversity and inclusion lens, it really is around creating those spaces where people can bring their true selves, identities, Belief systems, in a way that you know you have to create that space that is structured to to hear from people who have different beliefs, but create a safe space for that, and that's tricky, right? That's I think the hardest part is is being able to do that. There's a great book called uh, "We Can't Talk About That by Work, uh, We Can't Talk About That at Work" mm. by Mary Frances Winters, and she talks about the need to have uh, what she calls bold, inclusive conversations. And so these are not conversations you can just casually bring up like, hey, you know, I heard you're Jewish. (laughs) Tell me all about your (laughs) Why (laughs) do you do this or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, you know, I believe pretty strongly that there are appropriate lines in terms of how we structure those conversations. Right. For for the benefit of all. Right. For people who are believers for people who are not to be able to share your faith in a way that is, you know, that others can hear you. Um, I, you know, I don't, and and I think some of that is aligned with the laws that we have around protecting people from discrimination and, Mm -hmm. uh, things like it's, you know, it's appropriate to, to share your religion, but it's not appropriate necessarily to, to proselytize in the workplace. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, of course, depending on who you ask, there can be a lot of, uh, different viewpoints on that. Um, I suppose my, my personal view is not so much about, I think it's about creating the space for that conversation. Mm -hmm um if you if you come at it with a from a diversity sense, I think there's a value in having richer conversations and, and being able to to talk about those things the the other lens of workplace spirituality is is really kind of the more conceptual piece of it and that's really where most of my focus is and and what my research was on, which is really kind of separating the concept of spirituality from the concept of religion and looking at mm-hmm. how does that spiritual, Faculty or the spiritual nature of life show up because you know work is made up of people and people have a spiritual side or a, a, a side of meaningfulness, right? Whatever kind of term uh, makes sense to you and so looking at those things that are, are not necessarily affiliated with what we might typically think of as you know personal spirituality or religion things like uh, creating space for people to have an inner life, whatever that means, you know personal reflection or prayer a lot of companies have been putting in quiet rooms for example um, where people, if they are religious and have a prayer practice, they've got a space to do that. Um, if are someone who meditates, they have a space to do that, or if they just want some quiet reflection. So that's, that's a way of kind of being inclusive in terms of spirituality. There's a lot of research about the effectiveness of getting, uh, clear on meaning and purpose in work, both at the individual and the collective level. Um, Community is another element. If you think about spirituality and what what you know, most religious traditions foster is that sense of community, uh, and so that's another element. And some of these, you know, are, are just good workplace practice, regardless of if you say that they're part of you know workplace spirituality or not. Uh, and then, you know, one of the elements that has often come up in the workplace spirituality research is the idea of transcendence uh, of that connection to a higher purpose, mm. right? And that can be very broad, but it's also about, especially in the work context, thinking beyond profits. Right? There's a there's a, a philosophy out there called the triple bottom line, where you look at not just profits, but your impact as a business on uh, people, uh, you know, the the human beings, and and then on the planet. So, looking at your social responsibility, your your uh, you know, environmental responsibility, and there's I mean, there's a huge trend towards going beyond just the um, I'm here to make money at my job so I can go live my life. And I'm, you know, the purpose of business is to make a profit. So I think there's a lot of overlap with uh, with what, you know, the academic research calls workplace
0: spirituality there. Oh, this is good. Um, I- I'm just, <laughs> there's a number of things firing in my head as yeah. you're talking, Nick. <laughs> The big topic. So I'll I'll kind of throw two questions at you. Once one one's a little bit fun, poking poking just a little fun, Uh and 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 hold for the second question because it is a little sure. more serious. But number one, can can we have spiritual conversations in the workplace in this Facebook social media kind of world? Because <laughs> of the extremism we have, um, and I, and I know the answer, but I, I I'd like to hear your kind of explanation on that. And then the second too is if you just dig a little bit more deeper, or you've alluded to some of the fringes of the benefits in the workplace. But if I were mm-hmm. uh, a business owner, uh, kind of maybe provide a pitch as to, uh, yeah. assuming we can have those conversations, provide yeah, a bit of yeah. a pitch as to how it would benefit me. But but if you would, just start, uh, you know, we've just come, the election's not terribly far behind us. And so if you'll start with, uh, can we in this Facebook world talk about spirituality? <laughs> what have you found? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great,
2: it's a great question. I think, I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, t- well, first of all, I think in, in this day and age, anything will cause divisiveness, right? So yes. the same question you yes. ask about Uh, spirituality is like, can you talk about pets on there? It's like, you're going to have an argument about cats or dogs, which one? (laughs) I'm not sure that social media is the right place to have the conversation or to have any nuanced conversation about beliefs. And so I would say, I mean, going, you know, so a couple of things, I think one is, yes, it's possible to have the conversation. I think you have to be thoughtful about how you set up those conversations, Mm -hmm. right? If it's something that matters to you to talk about, it's not something again, that you can just bring up in the hallway. It's, 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 there's a lot of foundational elements to, if you're going to have a very explicit conversation about, for example, what are your spiritual beliefs or what are your religious practices? There's a lot of work to be done to be able to set up that conversation for success. I think the way that I think about it is there's a lot of little piecemeal things that I, I mean, I'll speak about it from my perspective, but I think when I think about, okay, how do I want to bring, if I sort of take off my, you know, research coach hat and how I think about this in general terms, if I think about it in personal terms, one of the interesting realizations I had a couple of years ago was, look, I think and talk about this stuff all the time. And I know a lot of the research, but I don't talk about it at work, right? I don't talk about my spirituality at work. And so I was working with a coach and that kind of surfaced. And, and it was interesting because, you know, I, I came out as gay when I was 19 and I was telling her talking about spirituality feels very similar to, It's uncomfortable until you say it the first time and then, and then finding, and you don't necessarily want people to, you know, fear like, oh, why is he talking about that all the time? Why does it matter? And so, so I had a lot of fear and self-consciousness about talking about spirituality and, you know, what worked for me was finding opportunities to, to weave it into my day to day life. So I actually, the first thing I did was I brought, you know, I've got a bunch of business books at work and I went home and pulled a couple of my more spiritual books and just kind of put them on my I don't even know if anybody noticed, it was probably more for me, but brought a couple of those to the office and put them on my, on my shelf just to kind of set that, uh, you know, intention for myself of like, I want to bring, this is a very important part of me and I want to be able to bring my whole self to work. At the same time, it's really important to me to be inclusive and appropriate and to do this in ways that are not making other people uncomfortable. So that's something that I believe really strongly in. And so finding those opportunities where, you know, where is there something that, it's almost that venn diagram right if i did a a a circle that encompassed things that are important to me and that that i interpret as spiritually connected and the circle of things that are valuable and appropriate for the workplace what are the things that are that are in the middle Mm -hmm. so mindfulness and meditation is a great example right there's been a lot of movement over the last 20 30 years on the benefits of mindfulness um it started as a you know religious spiritual practice and many people still practice it in in as part of their uh, religion or spiritual tradition. but it's also got a lot of hard scientific research of the benefits of of meditation and and uh, mindfulness, including um, some really fascinating stuff about its impact on the brain right and so looking, you know that was one of the things that I started doing as as well as how can I bring these mindful moments and and practice meditation and and offer it to people right? I think that's the other the other important factor is making sure that you are, um, making these things optional and inviting people to participate and also kind of seeing what the impact is, right. As with any kind of new thing. Um, so I started, you know, offering meditation to people who were interested and, um, and I've, I've, as I've done that, I've gotten more comfortable understanding, you know, where are the situations where it's appropriate, where are people asking for it? If, you know, if people don't want to do it, I'm certainly not going to force it on them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think finding those opportunities are, 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 how I approach it.
0: Yeah. No, that makes good sense. Thank you.
1: It's really interesting thinking about this from, you know, cause this, you're talking and talking about the challenge of, of navigating what can be considered a minefield, mm-hmm. uh, because there are so many different perspectives and there are so many, you know, people who have legitimately been hurt yeah. by, by perspectives held by, by other people. And, and you know, I think even. Even for example, I, I think about some of the conversations Leonard and I have had, and Leonard's very Christian and I'm very atheist. And and we were able to have these conversations because a relationship has been yeah. built. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and so we we know the intentions of one another. So it sounds like in many ways this is really about relationship building primarily. And then as that relationship builds, is it fair to say that the kind of the spirituality just seeps out?
2: That's, that's a great way of of putting it. I think, you know, some of these things are, this is, this is an emerging field, right? And I think there's, there's kind of the, there's the social science research that we can point to and say, there's, quote unquote, proof, or at least some sort of evidence for what is true. And then there's the, we're all trying to find our own path here. And so whether, you know, I think that's certainly a part of it. And I also think it probably different people experience it differently. Um, It's one of those things where the, you know, it, it is a very individual thing. And so, for some people, it does come from the that relationship and from being able to talk openly about it. Uh, from others, it may just come from getting the space right. One of the mm-hmm. things that I have been really um, surprised by is how powerful really small things are. I've certainly seen that with with mindfulness things that, like, look, we'll just take a two minute mindfulness break, and you know, I'll just ask people to like e- even just like in this moment, it's like let's just be quiet for thirty seconds, take a deep breath just be aware of what's around you. And that's it, right? And sometimes even just taking that little bit of a break is like, oh wow, that feels different. It's sort of like experimenting with yourself right? and it's like how does that that how does that make you feel? What is the difference that you bring to the to the work that you're doing after that? Another one that so anyway, the example of what I was going to say is asking people to take time to think about what's meaningful to them. I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, as part of a larger workshop brought that up and given people a few minutes to, to think of uh, about a version of what's important to you and had so many people come out up, up to me afterwards and say, it was so powerful just to have the time to think about that. I haven't taken the time to think about that in a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that's t- to me, you know, again, I, I feel really strongly about finding common ground. And to me, that's probably part of my definition of spirituality is how do we talk about those things that traditionally may have been the, the, you know, the province of religion, uh, and for many people still is, but find those things about like taking the opportunity to reflect, right. Taking the opportunity to think about those big questions about what is my life about? What do I care about? What do I want to do? What are my values? Um, and just seeing how powerful it is, you know, to, to, to have, give people the opportunity to think about those things.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, as you say this, like, I, you, you've, you've changed the way I want to do icebreakers in the classes I teach <laughs> <laughs> because I see such an opportunity to go so much deeper yeah. than many of the icebreakers that I've done in the past. You know, something as simple as think about something that's meaningful to you. Yeah. I, I, the closest I've come to that and it's actually been really effective is, is uh, you know, because everyone's at home and they're all at Zoom. We I, I'll, I'll say, all right, if we all come back from break on time, we're going to do a pet share where everyone who wants mm. to can point their cameras at their pets. And yeah. it's amazing how, because that's something meaningful, meaningful to people who are sharing it, it it creates a much deeper sense of connection and thinking how I could easily take that and make it take it one step beyond that and just say, Yeah, we're just gonna take a minute, share something that's meaningful. And the people can go as deep or as shallow as they want. They yeah. <laughs> could say, Well, let me share this taco with you. It's it's very meaningful to me because yeah. I love, <laughs> you know, Mexican food, whatever it may be. But um, But what a great way to really allow people to share something that's much less superficial than just, you know, tell me where you're from and what you do for a living or what company you work for or things that maybe don't really, they don't identify with as as who they really are.
2: Yeah. Well, now you're hitting on, you know, it's interesting because we've kind of been talking fairly theoretically, but, you know, as as a learning development professional, my mind often goes to what are the practical implications of this? So right. this is interesting. I care about it, but what do you actually do about it? Yes. And a lot of that turns into, and I'm a big fan of kind of like the simpler, the better, right? So how do you kind of take these little moments? So I've mentioned a few already, you can do meditation or mindfulness. And I would encourage people who are interested or curious. I think a lot of people hesitate to be like, oh, I'm not qualified or trained to lead a mindful moment. All you have to do is say, we're going to just experiment with something. I want you just to sit still for a moment and take a deep breath. And then give it twenty seconds of silence and ask them what they noticed. Right, like that's all you have to do as an LD professional is just try that. And then, of course, you can you can go on from there. But you don't have to have a you know a certification from uh, you know from some institute to be <laughs> yeah. able to do a little meditation this <laughs> <out of> <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, great. And so weaving in things like that that maybe we're just less less used to, right? That the asking, you know, giving reflection time of what's meaningful to you is another one. Another one that I use frequently, and I've adapted to a number of different things. There's a book called. The Highest Goal by Michael Ray, who was a professor at Stanford, and he was famous for uh, creating and, and leading the uh, business creativity course there. And The Highest Goal, what he talks about is the, his model of helping people understand like I, their their deeper purpose or the thing that really drives them. And what I like about his approach, he, he recommends a practice where you... Um, you you do a, what's called the five whys, which sometimes people are familiar with from doing mm-hmm. root cause analysis. But he says, think about something recent that was meaningful to you. Actually, we can do it right now if you guys are open to it. Think about sure. something that was uh, something meaningful that happened to you in the last week or two. It doesn't have to be like the most meaningful thing ever, but what's one meaningful thing that that happened to you? Just kind of hold that in your mind. Got it. And then ask yourself, what about that was meaningful? And just notice what your answer is. And then ask again, whatever answer that is, why was that so meaningful to you? And then whatever that answer is, ask once again, why is that so meaningful? And just see if you can narrow it down to like, what's the one word that really is kind of at the root of that 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 pops up for you, or even that just pops into your head. What's the one word that kind of captures that?
1: And if we're allowed to share, I think, yeah, me, please, you know, as I went through this, you know, it, it, it comes down to love. Yeah, on that one. And it's not necessarily where I was headed, but um, it's, it's definitely where I where I ended. You know, I was I was thinking about actually um, today I had to certify for um, uh, another training that I'm going to do. I had to bring in some um, some participants. To listen and and i i begged my children to <laughs> my adult children <laughs> to, to log on and do it and uh, it was and and I, and I really appreciated them just you know saying sure dad we're going to be yeah. there and yeah. then um well why did that matter so much well i mean it, it kind of mattered because i needed to get the certification <laughs> but that wasn't why it touched me yeah 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 you know and and that came to another level which honestly i wouldn't have reflected on that experience in that way had you not taken us through that exercise yeah
2: what was yours leonard
1: well <laughs> steve's a steve's, what happened? steve's what a better it? thinker <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I felt we very, won't judge. We very <laughs> well i
0: did i did uh, uh in truthfulness yeah I'm, I'm truthful on the podcast here yeah I, I i did feel that i needed some time to really reflect because it's like sure. gosh it's been a busy that week was very what's fast. been meaningful yeah. right um but I did. I did kind of have a flash thought of something that uh, where where I received a compliment or what, and I, I didn't, mm-hmm. admittedly, didn't go as deep in thinking about it. But in the end, though, I I came to the same result. It was love. Uh, yes. You know, somebody was very complimentary. Is what came to mind, and of course, the meaningfulness was that affirmation, which ultimately was love that I felt from that person when they were affirming. So. We, yeah, we ended up on the same page, Steve. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, see how quick that was, right? From a, from a, from a facilitating perspective, yeah. you yeah. don't, I mean, it, I, we didn't do a whole hour workshop, right? That was about 30 seconds. I mean, usually yeah. I give people a little bit more time. I wasn't going to leave quite as much uh, dead space <laughs> on your, dead air on your podcast as I normally do in the room. Yeah. I, and I would say, you know, for, again, from a facilitator perspective, I think one of the tools that, that has helped me in, in all of these things is being comfortable with silence, yeah. right? Yeah. And providing that silence as part of the experience and being okay with giving people 30 seconds to think, um, cause I'm used to filling the, filling the space with talking, right. Yeah. Kind of getting comfortable with like giving people some, some silence. And so I, you know, I, I mean, you can go a lot of ways with that practice, right? Yeah. I, I use it to talk about what's meaningful. And then we, you know, we could go, we could go to how does that show up in your life? How does that uh, relate to your sense of purpose in the world? The, the word that I most frequently come up to is joy. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot about how, you know, I could phrase my purpose in life as experiencing joy and sharing joy with others, right? So you can, you, can, you can go that way. You can also do it as just a way to kind of synthesize and get meaning from any kind of activity. So I will often have something where we're discussing a lot of different things and to, to bring it around, you know, this is kind of a, a less deep version of it. But I'll say like, okay, so just think about everything we've talked about. And, you know, what's, what was most meaningful about today's discussion or today's experience from you mm-hmm. and kind of do that, you know, kind of multi-layer and what was most, you know, powerful about that and what was most powerful about that and, and hone in on that one word. And I find it's a nice tool to be able to kind of get the essence of something. Cause you know, even as training professionals, we know that everyone doesn't always walk away remembering everything that we've taught. Yeah. And so in some of the, especially in less structured conversations, Um, where there's, you know, people can kind of come down to that single word that they can walk away with. Sometimes I'll say, you know, write it on a post-it or uh, take it with you. I I find that's a nice thing that they can walk away with. Even if you take nothing else, like if you can kind of hone in on that word, that'll kind of remind you of of the other things uh, that we're, that you're, hopefully we're, we're doing in that session.
1: Yeah. Well, Well, Nick, something Leonard and I have talked about many, many times, especially because we both have a background in learning and development, is the challenge that exists in trying to actually get behavior change to come yeah. out of, mm-hmm. out of any training that knowledge rarely, if ever, I'm not sure I can ever say that I've seen knowledge change behavior. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we've done so many of these trainings, we've come out everyone was excited and then, mm-hmm. then nothing changed. There was no difference afterwards. And and it's interesting because, I feel like, and maybe this is the spiritual coming out, (laughs) but I feel like we, that you might have hit on one of the key elements to really affect behavior change. Because where we've seen behavior change actually happen is when you can create a truly emotional experience. Yeah. Uh That that's where behavior change comes from. And, and yet in the business world, we often shy away from anything that would encourage emotion. Yep. So... How about
0: that pitch now? <laughs> 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 this is good stuff. I don't know. To, I, I hate to redirect, but I do. I just yeah. you know, because because again, it, it it's all. Uh, I, I'll 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 kind of play devil's advocate, as they say. You know, yep. um, it's it's all feel good. But so yep. if, if I were the owner of a business, what, what would encourage me to actually have this? And, and I can think of reasons. I'm not completely naive here, but I, I, I want to hear it from you, Nick. Um, so kind of the, the, the two-minute commercial or one-minute commercial, whatever, to promote, why would yeah. we want to engage in, in spirituality in the workplace? What, what would be the benefit for me as the business owner and, and for those that I employ?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, there's a lot of research out there that shows that workplace spirituality is tied to meaningful work, Uh, it helps deepen connections, it it helps expand inclusion, and there is solid research both for workplace spirituality as a whole, as well as for those components. So if you look at meaningful work, for example, uh, as a component of workplace spirituality, there is a strong tie to increased employee engagement, um, Workplace, uh, meaningful work is the number one reason people decide to stay at a company. Mm. Uh, And I think that's only growing in younger generations. Um, And that is tied very strongly to retention. And that is a very expensive cost for business owners. If you think about the cost, you know, someone decides to go to a different job where they have more meaning in their work, uh, you know, the cost to find a new hire, to retrain that person, to lose the institutional knowledge that you've gained. Turnover is, is one of the highest people costs that a business can have. And so this is, you know, focusing on that, that meaningfulness and, you know, the, the benefits that workplace spirituality can bring helps with, with those, among other things. You know, there's been other studies that uh, have linked it to improved innovation, improved leadership skills. Uh, so there's, there's lots of that, that research out there. Uh, The other thing that I would say is you don't have to go in whole hog, right? I think there's lots of these little, I don't know that I would ever try and pitch like, hey, CEO, you should invest, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars in fostering workplace spirituality. I would say, look, here's what workplace spirituality is. It overlaps with other things like meaningful work, authentic leadership, whichever of those resonates with you, there there are good business cases for it, right? So helping people uh, understand the deeper meaning of their work and giving them opportunities to reflect on it. Um, increases their engagement, which increases the bottom line.
1: You know, it's interesting, some of the organizations that, most successful organizations that I get to work with seem to have this down. You know, mm-hmm. they they do things like, you know, uh, one, they actually give um, paid time off. Not vacation or anything, but just pay time off to go do something that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, to do good in the world. They also match your charitable donations. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's and and uh, and a number of other things. And and um, and I think about the people I know that get to work there, and they and you're right that the the results that you are saying should occur are occurring. You know, they're gaining the retention, they're having those things. So now I want to kind of shift my question a little bit another way and and I'll take you back to my first job 30 years ago. Well, maybe not that long ago, 20 years ago, um, I was working at a call center you know and of course call center work is about as spiritual as it comes i guess <laughs> you <laughs> um, got the but, call uh, right you got the call I and mean, in your ministry got, to there, the there masses anyway exactly exactly nobody calls up to say hey i just wanted to tell you have a great day um, it generally you deal with a ton of negativity yeah. and um, also so much of what um, we did was just governed by statistics your talk time yep. is monitored your you know, you you live on the edge of a knife every moment, and the only reason you do it is because you're young and poor and you need health insurance. Yeah, it's the only reason anyone is there, is there a way for that individual? Their employer's not necessarily interested in in bringing these things in, but is there a way for that individual to bring spirituality into an environment like that, so that they can survive a little better? Any thoughts? <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, I, I'm actually going to give you the, the the more spiritual answer and and not the HR answer. And the spiritual answer is, you know, I believe that everyone has a sense of guidance and purpose within themselves. And if you're in that situation, you know, people can say this in different ways, but there, there's some reason that you're there and you have some you you as a human being, as a unique human being, have something to offer. So I don't I don't know that there's a pat answer. I think reflecting on it, if it's something that is of interest to you, you know, if I were, if I were coaching that individual, I would say, you know, take the time to reflect on it. What is your intuition telling you? What is the, what are the possibilities that come up for you? Um, mm-hmm. That I think is the the deeper answer. You know, I think that the more practical answer is what might come up, come from that reflection, right? It may be that, Hey, part of what I care about is, you know, maybe it's helping people, right. And maybe, and mm-hmm. you know, in, for, in many cases, not all, But in many cases, that is not someone's career path, right? It's a step on the 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 way to something else, and so I think figuring out what's meaningful about it to you, and it may be what's meaningful about it to you in that moment, right? So from the individual perspective, it may be that like, look, it may be, hey, I'm making money and putting the food on the table for my family, and my family is what really counts, and that's okay, right? Not everyone, you know, I, I am aware that this can sound like. A highfalutin like, oh, everyone should, you know, have a perfect, and that's not the reality for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think in those individual yeah. situations, it's figuring out what can be meaningful to you. There was a situation where I had, uh, you know, several things had changed and I, I had a job that I loved and some management had changed and some strategic direction had changed. And it was getting to the point where I realized I didn't love it anymore. And it's like, well, why am I still here? And I realized part of it was my reason for being there had, had shifted, right? And at that moment, it was no longer because I believed in the mission of the company, which I once had, or because I loved the work, which I once had. It was because I cared about the people. And we were going through a big change over the next six to nine months mm-hmm. that I wanted to, to get them through effectively. And then once that was done, I felt comfortable leaving. So sometimes it's about revisiting, why am I doing this, right? Nah. Um, you know, and I mean, I think bigger picture, I would love for companies to explore, how do you bring meaning into roles like that and not Put people in jobs where you're just getting you know the the minimum out of them and not necessarily treating them as human beings but since you asked like that individual what they can do i think it is about reflecting on you know what's showing up for you right now what where do, where can you find meaning and whatever that is even if it's you know kind of a subsistence like i just need the the money and and i need to be able to take care of myself and my family there's no judgment in that right like you don't have to have yeah, yeah. a huge change the world purpose for that to be the right thing for you.
1: Well, certainly, as I've, I've seen people, you know, you see it on LinkedIn all the time. If you're not happy where you're at, just leave. And I thought, yeah. well, boy, that is certainly a perspective that comes out of a tremendous amount of privilege. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> that uh, or, you know, many, or, many. Or just ignorant faith, one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, as you're talking, I, you know, and, and thinking, well, how would I have responded to the five whys? Yeah. You know, how would I have responded back then when I was working in that position? And and truly it was, you know, I had just gotten married. um, I had a kid on the way. And if I had been answering it, it would have been, well, of course, I hate coming to work every day. But I'm really excited about this new family I'm starting. And and yeah, every time I get yelled at, (laughs) it is is just an opportunity to do something for someone I care about. And I think I could have found some some meaning in there. I, I mean, the meaning was there. It kept me going, but it was kind of so far beneath the surface that I think I hated every second I was there. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think having some tools like that might have made it just a little bit more tolerable. Yeah.
2: And you never know where something leads, right? I think that's that's the the thought I would maybe close on is
1: that <laughs> we're we're trained
2: in the West in the U.S. to think about and in, and in business in particular that everything is about logic and processes and rationality and that's important, right? I was, you know, trained in the scientific method and I did you know that for my for my masters and I still look at data and, and evidence, but there's part of being human that you know the Greeks would have called it the difference between logos or reason and, and mythos or imagination or the the spiritual side. And, you know, I had a job once that I didn't like and didn't, you know, wanted to leave and had to stay there because I needed the money at the time. And if you'd asked me at the time, I'd be like, I don't know why I'm here. This sucks. And there's no purpose to it. And yet in retrospect, because I had that job, I met the person that got me the next job that I loved mm-hmm. that has really launched my career in the tech space and got me ultimately to where I am today. And so sometimes you, you don't always know, right? Like you can do your best yeah. to understand it, but there's also that uh, that greater perspective of, you know, whatever you believe, whether it's coincidence or synchronicity or the, the hand of spirit or, you know, everyone has different interpretations of why those kind of inexplicable things happen. Um, but but they do, right? And so you, you don't always, sometimes there are reasons why you're uh, in a situation that, um, you know, not to excuse people who are in really tough situations. I think that's, uh, you always kind of have, it's, it's very nuanced, right? Because you don't ever want people to say like, oh, well, you're in a, you know, you're there to learn and, and, you know, yes. you should stay in an abusive relationship <laughs> yes. or uh, whatever. Like I, I don't believe that for sure. And I think, you know, bringing compassion to those situations is important and, and having compassion for yourself, but um, you never know where the path is going to lead. So I think that's, you know, having an open mind and, and, uh, and tapping again into your own intuition and guidance uh, is, is really the key there.
1: Well, my biggest fear today now is that people will abandon our podcast and go to you. because. <laughs> you've given us so much good information that's, that's the risk we take right that's the risk well, we take you know the funny thing
2: is i don't talk much on my own podcast i also have an interview style podcast so i've got great guests i would love people to check it out it's called uh, going deeper um you can search for my name or or the the title there um but uh yeah no we we're complimentary i would say
1: <laughs> well for sure we'll put it into the show notes as well because yes. um you know, all seventeen of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we might be a little higher than that now, um, and we're grateful for every single one. I promise. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it, it's just so many, so much gold came out of this this conversation, um, and and so uh, oftentimes at this point, I try and summarize it, but I don't even know where, know where to start. <laughs> so uh, instead, I'll just give a heartfelt thank you yeah. <laughs> for being with us, and maybe maybe Leonard will be do will be able to do better at uh, summarizing. Whatever it was we talked about today. <laughs> well, I
0: certainly, uh, yeah. As far as summarizing, there's a couple thoughts that do jump out. Number number one, first off, just just uh, to kind of Steve's point, Nick, I, I think the way you express it and talk about spirituality, I, I think is just so well done. And so, if nothing, yeah. we can learn from the way you speak about it as to how we can then have better conversations about it. Um, and and then two. Uh, one of the soapboxes I love to jump on and you hit on it here, uh, taking the time to think about what's meaningful to you. Uh, my soapbox is the fact that so often in our culture today, we get so rushed and we yeah. have iPods or whatever in our ears or watching something all the time. And so we have so little time for self-reflection. And so I, I very much appreciate that you've suggested that. And we now have figured out we can use that as as an activity as well. Uh, yeah. because we we just don't take that time and i think you know personally i do think that kind of awakens us spiritually as well so it's a great great advice there um so yeah thanks nick uh, really really good stuff and uh, appreciate having you on the show and so glad that uh Britt kind of pointed you to us and we were able to connect
2: yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a great, uh, great chatting with you.
0: All right. Great. And for our listening audience, always love to hear from you. So certainly, uh, as you know, you can always reach Steve and I at our Gmail account. It's furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Reach out, give us a shout. How do you practice spirituality in the workplace? And certainly if you got any questions for Nick, you can fire them to us. We'll be glad to forward them to him. And check out Nick's podcast, Going Deeper, and I do hope to, we'll put that in the show notes there. So check that so you can just hyperlink over to it. And with that, we will give a nod to our sponsor, and they make this all possible. It's upwards Unlimited, upwards, com, and they help you improve your conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. So with that, we'll say goodbye until the next time, folks, and thanks for joining us. Bye-bye now.